Driving it home with Patty Vasquez, Patty Vasquez. From global conflicts to greenhouse gases, the folks refusing to wear masks says, and politicians getting caught grabbing asses says, she's driving it home with Patty Vasquez. Hello. We are so close to the weekend, aren't we? Happy Thursday, everybody. Hope that you are happy and healthy and safe wherever you are today and right now. And I want to thank everyone for uh, so many kind words. I, sh- I shared a, a video uh, in the last a couple videos in the last couple days of uh, Declan uh, walking with his, his walker. We're hoping to get a new one that gives him a little more independence, um, a little more mobility. But he is uh, starting to... Try to walk a little bit more than he had previously. He has he's he has the desire to. For a long time, uh, he was kind of just for those. Again, I, I always hate to assume that people know what I'm talking about. My son Declan, uh, who has uh, some physical challenges and intellectual challenges, lost the ability to walk last May. We don't have any any answers as to why that happened, and so it's been a long, hard road back to his independence because he this kid loves to walk, and I think that's been something that's weighed on him. Uh, he can't tell us uh, how he's feeling about it. We can only go by his uh, his moods, uh, his reactions to things. Uh, he is nonverbal. Um, but in the last few months, uh, I would say actually more in the last month uh, during the holiday break, he had more inst- like more desires to go- move around the house a little bit uh, more than he had before. And yesterday when we were getting ready, f- we were waiting for the bus to come pick him up for school. Um, he, uh, took, he walked to the end of the, the block where they usually pick us up and they weren't there yet. So he turned and he, walk- he walked in another direction that he hadn't explored recently because this kid we used to go on two three mile walks and and i know that he misses it we miss it and we're trying to get him back there so i want to thank everyone for their kind words i have a a video up on uh, my personal facebook page i don't know if it was shared to the patty vasquez show page but i will put it up there so you can see this kid is relentless and uh, i'm super proud of him and everyone that's uh put so much uh, energy and resources into helping him uh, my husband it carries the the brunt of this because he is the primary you know caregiver i'm the i'm the primary breadwinner um and i uh, i do everything i can the other thing is that declan is now 17 very strong and he gets uncomfortable you know it's i i you know we have to change his you know he doesn't go to the bathroom by himself we have to do that for him and and change him and uh, and and he doesn't like it, and I don't blame him. It's not, it doesn't, it doesn't. It's not a great feeling. And so we're all doing the best that we can. And I don't have the strength uh, recently to uh, to do as much as I could. Uh, not just because of uh, this horrible cold I'm still combating, but I feel a little better. Um, but that hasn't helped at, at all. And uh, and Declan's just really strong, guys. He's 17, and just he he he's never taken any wrestling classes. But I will tell you, this kid knows all the like the pressure points in between the muscle. I don't know. Like he'll feel along your arm and just feel for it and like just push like ah! in the elbow. Uh, he'll also put my, like when I'm helping Steve change him, he'll put his hand on my throat and it's kind of like, if he hurts me, you're going to get it, lady. <laughs> he'll do, like I've never, look, it's it's just, uh, he just kind of like puts his hand there and he'll feel around for muscles. I'm like, what are you doing? Um, he's super strong. Uh, and has, hey, look, he doesn't, he doesn't get to express his opinions uh, and thoughts and moods the way, uh, you know, typical, I guess that's the word that I had to uh, learn early on, typical uh, individual. Uh, So he finds his ways to show and express his uh, disdain and his, by by the way, on the other hand, I will tell you, 
There is absolutely nothing more beautiful than Declan's laugh. I mean, it is contagious. It is glorious. It is the best sound in the entire world. Sorry, Griffin. You have a great laugh, too. But your brother's laugh, because it's so pure. There's no, Declan has no um, sense, he has no ego or it, right? So there's nothing that Declan does where he is ashamed if people think he's being silly or weird or or doing something that... uh, People will judge him for. Uh, he just takes in things visually and auditorily and tactily and enjoys them or hates them that way. Like if you give him something new to eat, I don't know if you know anybody that does this, Lady B, but if you give him something new to eat, he'll do this. He'll feel how it feels in his hand first and he'll walk away with it and just like drop it somewhere else. Not even give it back. Sometimes he'll give it back. Sometimes he'll be obliging and uh, you put something up to his nose and let him smell it. He'll like, he'll, he'll lick it and then be like, he'll shove you away. <laughs> Not for me. And uh, so it's very funny that way. Uh, I do want to say uh, that I am so grateful for our sponsors for making this show possible. I want to thank our friends at Minocqua Brewing. Go to our Facebook page, the Patty Vasquez Show page, to uh, see where you can pick up a progressive brew in the Chicagoland area. Jerry Walski, our beer Sherpa, has that all there. And he provides all the information about our guests and topics and issues. And I want to thank Jerry so much for, for making sure that that's up to date and working so hard on that. Uh, And I also want to thank our friends at Kids Above All and all the incredible work they do to help kids reach their potential. And Warren uh, Price, who uh, helps me reach my potential whenever my car breaks down. Uh, I've been so, I've been, uh, I shouldn't say it. I shouldn't say that I've been fortunate not to have any significant car issues. Okay, I said it. It's too late. Um, But he does a great job over there. And what I love is sometimes there are things that come up that uh, he doesn't like a catalytic converter. Let's say perhaps your catalytic converter has been stolen at the same time about, I don't know, 775 others in the area were stolen and people are backed up and uh, and you need to find somewhere to go. Uh, Warren gave us the name of a great place to get that done. So just want to thank our friend Warren Price at European U.S. Auto Car Service. European European and U.S. Car Service over by there, 4080 North Broadway. The website is europeanus.com, or you can call him, especially if you get, put this number down. If you just put it somewhere in your car, if you're in a fender bender, do all the things he talked about, take a picture of their insurance card, take a picture of the damage. What's the number one thing? What's the number one thing? You know what? I'm going to ask that question. What's the number one thing Warren uh, Price has said you should do when you're in a fender bender? Because I have a pair of tickets. I actually have two pairs of tickets today to give away to our mayoral forum. Uh, the phone number, by the way, I said call 773-248-1200 for Warren. That's his number. Keep that in your car somewhere. And tell me what the number one thing is that Warren said that you should do if you're in a fender bender, if you're in a car accident, any kind of car accident, what's the first thing you should do? This is gonna, I'm going to see if people get the, remember this one or if you just know. Uh, so we are giving away a pair of tickets to WCPT's Chicago Mayoral Candidate Forum Thursday, January 26th. Uh, we're so excited to be a part of this event, uh, to be hosting this event. And I'm uh, excited to be a part of this. Uh, we are going to have, so Joan Esposito is going to be moderating, Santita Jackson, and I will be splitting some of the duties of asking questions. I am taking questions from listeners. I write them all down. I take uh, screenshots of some of the, the texts that we get from folks. But right now, 773-763-9278. What does Warren say is the first thing you should do if you are in a car accident for your chance to win a pair of tickets for the WCPT Chicago Mayoral Candidate Forum? Again, that's going to be on Thursday, 
January 26th. Um, we're going to be at the Morningstar Auditorium at 22 West Washington. We do need to make sure folks have tickets to join us. Uh, if you want to find out about the full contest rules, visit WCPT820.com and uh, give Lady B a call for your chance to win a pair of tickets. Let's uh, get to phone calls. Hey, Dave in Hoffman Estates. What's on your mind, my friend? Hey, Patty. I was just telling Lady B I'm looking at there's uh, the big news where... Uh, uh, Murdoch and I had to testify under oath, and some of the other heavies like Tucker and Hannity, and and that they had a uh, about the 2020 election lies and stuff. That yeah, wasn't it, isn't it the, the the Dominion voting machines is like a big part yeah. of like a huge lawsuit against Fox News yeah. and all the commentators they yeah. put on. Yeah, you, this is the that thing is. you can't you can't just say whatever you want. I mean, this is the I've been having arguments with people about the First Amendment and uh, all these things like lies are not protected by the First Amendment. If you are libeling and doing this kind of harm to a business, you can't do that. Yeah. And yeah. they showed others like uh, Judge Janine and uh, and then uh, Rudy and stuff, too. But uh, I just thought you might want to hear that one. It's right now they're saying, you know, it's uh, breaking news right now. But um, I was telling Lady B that, uh, did you see that uh, where Trump had claimed in his lawsuit, uh, that, that rape lawsuit against him from that Eugene Carroll, and that during that deposition he, he confused the accuser in a photograph. Yep, of his ex-wife. His ex-wife Is that right? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> Yikes. And, um, well, he says yeah. so many horrible things. This is this is like this is in general why it's so hard for people who have experienced sexual violence to report, to have to testify, to with you know endure this kind of an experience is because then he said, "Well, it's not like she liked it." From what I under, you know, oh my god, right? So, so you're saying that if is it like if I did, it sounds like she enjoyed it or she was asking like all these just disgusting things. Yeah, and I was what in a department store when mm-hmm. he accosted her and that, and, uh, but then that with that mistake, his his lawyers had to tell that no, that that's not Marla, it's this um, it's Carol, and uh, and with that the allegations now claiming that she's not my type under oath that time, remember? Yeah, and and that, and, um, or how about uh, did you see the one with uh, um, Trump's? Former advisor and that uh, that Matt Schlapp, <laughs> that seat where he uh, getting sued or whatever, and that for uh, sexual <laughs> harassment or whatever for groping and grabbing assault. Former... Yeah, he grabbed he grabbed yeah. yeah he grabbed a staffer by the crotch on the way back. Yeah, to, yeah. yeah, and um, you know these are the same ones that are all harping about anti-gay or whatever, and they all, you know, if the shadow knows, you see what they're doing, and then uh, that's kind of similar. You remember uh, from our own our own lovely state with uh, the old Aaron Shock that time at, Bear, at Burning Man, and they had a picture of him doing basically the same thing, <laughs> and that when he was still uh, a representative, and, uh, and of course, I'll close you with this one with uh, <laughs> with uh, <laughs> today's favorite, you know, uh, the latest for today with uh, George Santos and with uh, his cross dressing or, or oh yeah, the drag queen, uh, yeah, the photos from him and I think yeah, it was in Brazil from two thousand eight, yeah. I believe. Yeah, maybe he had a hook up with Rudy. Remember when Rudy was in the, the wedding dress that time? <laughs> yeah, with with a photo with with Trump, as a matter of fact. 
I forgot about that. I yeah. just remembered him in that wedding dress, you know, and it's like, good Lord. Yeah, it's but, insane. Uh, anywho, I just thought right. it. Thanks, Dave. Let's get, all right, talk to you again. Thank you. Bye-bye. Thank you. Take care. Have a good night. I got to take a break here, and uh, we'll come back with one of our winners for the mayor, the, the tickets for our mayoral forum coming up on January 26th. And then, by the way, Turi Ryder will be in studio during that broadcast, holding down the fort here, and uh, it'll be live broadcast, and you can listen to the entire thing. More in a moment on WCPT 820, Heartland Signal. I'm Patty. This is WCPT 820, where facts matter. Hi, this is Kirk Bankstead from the Minocqua Brewing Company, and I sell progressive beer like AOC IPA and Bernie Brew, a lovingly irascible Democratic Socialist lager. A percentage of the proceeds of every beer I sell goes to helping keep Wisconsin blue and driving the Trump cult out of our state. Enjoy a great craft beer and help your dysfunctional neighbor to the north get its democracy back. Now available at Arminetti Wine and Spirits in Woodstock, Illinois, and Famous Liquors in Lombard, as well as in Chicago at A&S Wine and Spirits, Back of the Yards, and Grand and Western Liquors, Ukrainian Village. Please drink responsibly. Patty Vasquez is taking your calls now at 773-763-9278. Driving it home with Patty Vasquez now on WCPT 820. Coming up on January 2026, 20, we will be, is it 26? Gosh, I have so many things coming up in the next few weeks. There's a aldermanic for, a forum coming up here in Jefferson Park uh, for the 45th Ward. Okay, so it's that'll be on February 2nd, by the way. And I might be broadcasting from there, which would be a lot of fun because it's going to be crazy. But another day that's uh, exciting for me to be a part of, another event, is going to be on Thursday, January 26th for the WCPT Chicago Mayoral Candidate Forum. And uh, that's going to be during the day. And I'm excited that folks want to go, including Mike has won a pair of tickets, I believe. Lady B says you have the you have the correct answer. What's the answer, Mike? Oh, I was correct. Oh, okay. I I thought I was. Uh, wasn't it to take a picture of the uh, the damage? I will I will take that as an answer. And I give you, do you are you absolutely sure you can go to the event on, on uh, next Thursday to the mayoral forum? Oh, yes, yes. I'll definitely be there. Okay, so I'm a, that is something you should do. It's not the number one thing you should do. So I'm going to give you a pair of tickets. We'll give Mike a pair of tickets because uh, he's excited to go. And uh, we thought he was right, but uh, I, I, it's we have to get, to get another caller. But you're still oh, getting a pair of tickets. It it's not that. Nope, that's not the number one thing you should do. You're going to find out. Hold on, and, and you'll find out, okay? Am I close? Uh, it's, 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 in, it's in the top four or five. <laughs> okay. It's okay. All right, I'll listen. I can't. I'll I can't. Find yeah, out what the right I can't give you the answer because I want someone else to call to see if they remember what, what Warren said is the number one thing you should do when you are in a can, in a car accident. I know it sounds. I know it sounds like it's. Uh, it's. It has nothing. Has it help if I say it has nothing to do with the car? Does that help? Seven seven three seven six three nine two seven eight. I'll take the answers on the air. Uh, we have a pair of tickets to uh, to give away for the mayoral forum for next uh, for next Thursday, the twenty sixth. So. so Lady B, let's give Mike a pair of tickets as well, because we've got several pair to give away today, because uh, maybe somebody forgot to give any away yesterday. That would be me. I apologize to everyone, uh, but we have several to give away today, so I'm very excited about that. Uh, coming up at uh, 5.30, we are going to check in with Senator Laura Murphy. Uh, I know a lot of folks are talking about the uh, gun legislation and sheriffs across the state that are saying that they will not be uh, enforcing that, and uh, Senator Murphy... Oh, hey, Warren is listening. <laughs> I think I bet you Warren knows the answer. 
as to what is the f- the number one thing you should be doing. Uh, Warren, I mean, if you want to go to the mayoral forum, you're a lot, you, you're more than welcome to call and give the answer. Because I think that it, it, people don't consider that. They don't consider the fact that they should uh, check this out first. Because we we're always, your brain goes to... Uh, whether it's anger or fear or, oh, my God, this is going to cost me so much money. But what's the first thing you should check? Um, <laughs> Warren is testing you guys. He wants to know if you know the answers. So coming up at 530, we have Senator Laura Murphy is going to join us because she has signed on to a letter uh, encouraging the sheriffs of the DuPage County to enforce the laws that have been passed. I mean, this is the whole point, right? This is what what uh, folks in law enforcement say is that we have to comply or they're there to enforce these laws that are on the books and things like that. Uh, I didn't realize that uh, they were open to, to picking and choosing, uh, not necessarily uh, the intention of our legislature or th- what we're supposed to be doing. Some of the sheriffs around the state have said um, they've read it and uh, they know that it's unconstitutional. So that's not how that's not how this works. So then go to court and that's what they're doing. And, and uh, Attorney General Kwame Raoul uh, is preparing for that battle as well. Uh, so that's coming up at 530. And if you have any questions for Senator Laura Murphy, of course, we would love to hear from you. And then I'm really excited about our guest at six o'clock as well. Uh, we are going to uh, there's OK. There was an argument that I had with someone a few years ago. It wasn't really an argument. It was uh, a lawyer friend of mine. We were talking about Roe v. Wade. And I have been worried about Roe v. Wade for a long time. I did not uh, sustain that sense of urgency that I think we all should have. Uh, we all were placated by the Supreme Court uh, hearings whenever there was uh, an appointee sitting in front of the you know the Senate and they would say things like, I believe that Roe v. Wade has been settled. It's law of the land, all these things. And uh, and we just uh, we went, OK, all right, fine. You know, we'll fight our battles where we have to not really realizing that that was uh, so vulnerable. And one of the art- questions I had was, isn't there something in the Constitution that would work? And I, and I wondered about the 13th Amendment, which uh, is prohibits enslaving somebody or making them do something against their will, removing their bodily autonomy. And my friends with law degrees were just kind of patted me on my head with my little history degree. And they were like, no, no, it's not, that's not real. Although, so now I'm excited because Northwestern professor Andrew Koppelman, uh, he's the author of Burning Down the House. He has recently wrote about how the 13th Amendment does protect abortion rights. So we're going to have him on at 6 o'clock. So I'm very excited about that. Uh, let's see, Lee in Chicago. Lee, Warren is listening. Do you have the answer for what's the first thing you should do when you're in a car accident? I think the first thing you should do is call the police. <laughs> that's in, it's in there. It's in there, but it's not. That's not the very first thing you should do. I know. Uh, See, okay. we, we go to like what the reaction is. Lee, can you join us for this mayoral forum on uh, on on uh, January 26th? Um, the 26th. Yes, it's at. It's going to be the doors open at 10:30, lunch at 11, and then the event starts at noon. No, I wouldn't be able to join. Oh, Simon. that's all right. But but by the way, for calling the police, it depends, right? As far as especially if you're in a in a location where you have to be able to move, uh, if they're if you're in the middle of traffic, that kind of thing. If it's severe, if if it's a hit and run, definitely call the police. Obviously, uh, sometimes a fender bender can be resolved with uh, going to to the police station and filing a report afterwards. So we don't always have to call the police. But uh, but if it's significant, yes. All right. Thank you, Pat. Thank you, Lee. Listen for the answer. Have a good one. Man, I uh, Warren, we have to we're going to reiterate this every single time because I I don't think uh, I think only once 
Um, I, I think I did the same thing. I'm with Lee. I, I got driven off the road, and the first thing I did was was call 911. I think I felt around for what the answer is, by the way. So 773-763-9278. Uh, see, everyone's got this. We all want to, you know what it is? We all have this sense of justice. So we all want to get the information or get the police involved. But what's the, <laughs> Warren, do you want to give us a call? 773-763-9278 is the number to call and uh, give folks the answer. Uh, but let's see if uh, if someone can call in with it. In the meantime, we've got uh, Jim wants to join the conversation. Hey, Jim in Chicago, what's on your mind? Hi, Terry. I, a couple of weeks ago, you mentioned that you had kind of a lower back problem. Now, I had a back problem yep. for years. Anyway, I uh, went to Northwestern, and uh, the doctor asked me, he said, uh, he says, how much do you drink? I said, well, I drink about it. I drink a lot. He goes... He goes, well, he goes, if he's look out the window. He goes, about 90, I was downtown. He goes, well, 99% of these people have a bad bed. Anyway, make a long story short, I got into rehab, and I got one exercise that really worked. I, it stretches your tendons in the back, and I know you're working with Declan. Uh-huh. And if, if you're under stress, that's going to exacerbate it. But, I, I mean, I'm, I, can't, I wish I could show you the exercise, but... It really works well. You you just stretch the ligaments. You put one leg up at a time, and you put it against the door jam, and you stretch the ligaments to the back and the other leg. Okay. And after, and it'll it'll relieve it because you want to do all your lifting with your legs anyway. You know. Right. Absolutely. The, yeah. heavy, the heavy lifting. But when you mentioned that, I thought, geez, you're working with Declan. I thought, God, that's got to be. Yeah. A lot of pressure, a lot of pressure because, you know, it is stress kills your back. Yes. So anyway, I just, I, I'm I, not a doctor. It's, no, and I, I will keep folks updated. I am going, I have an appointment to see a, a spine surgeon uh, at the end of the month. I also had a, um, you know, I won't go into detail with you, Jim, uh, so I'll wait till no, I, no, no, I, no, I don't no. want to make you uncomfortable. But I let's put it this way. I'm carrying a top load that could also be contributing to it, if that makes any sense to you. <laughs> no, no, that's right. I didn't, I didn't mean to pry into your no, physical. No, uh, no, I, I, here's the thing, I, and I don't want to make you uncomfortable. I'm, I'm, I'm most likely, if I'm able to get the procedure done that I've been wanting since I was 14 years old, I'll be very. No, no. I, I apologize. I, yeah. I thought it might be something simpler than that, you know, where you could uh, oh, no, it's all, you could relieve it. There, are, there are contributing factors to my back pain. All right, and all right. Thank, thanks, Jim. Uh, all right, all right. You're welcome. You're thanks, welcome. Thanks. Well, since I put it out there, uh, so I have significant uh, breast tissue. Let's put it that way. Is that does that help anybody? Uh, as I remember, one time I went for a mammogram, and they uh, they had to do an ultrasound because I have dense breasts, which I thought, you know, I thought my my breast just made men dense, but that's a stupid joke. Um, I I don't know how to explain this to folks, but it's it's significant, and uh, it cuts into my having to wear uh, undergarments, cuts into my shoulders. Uh, it's it's about I would say we weighed them one time. See, I don't know where to go with this with you folks. If I don't know if it's going to get awkward for you, but I carry about uh, eight to ten pounds. Um, I have a thirty four k is a size that I wear in order to support these girls, and uh, I have been, it has been suggested for many years, and I've wanted to uh, have a breast reduction, but for various reasons, it's just not been possible. And I, I talked to a surgeon at Northwestern, and they said that their their biggest uh, demographic of clients, the two biggest demographics they have are teenage athletes 
and women who are done having uh, children. And I didn't want to have a breast reduction before I had children. It's not necessarily assumed that you would not be able to breastfeed, but I didn't want that to be an issue. So I decided I would wait until after children. But the last 10 years has been very hard to find time to uh, to have that done. But I'm getting to the point where my um, my MRIs uh, are showing that there is that that's a contributing factor to the stress on my spine, in addition to car accidents that I had here. Let's see if Matt knows. Hey, Matt, what's uh, what's the hey, answer? Hey, Patty, how are you? I'm good. How are you doing? Good. I think I have the answer. Okay. Um, I think you put the car in park and turn the car off. <laughs> that might be. That, I I would imagine that's a that might actually be. You know what? I should ask Warren if that's technically the very first thing you should do because that makes a lot more sense. Warren should that put the car in park and and, uh, and turn the car off. That actually, see now Warren didn't say that, but that that sounds oh. like a, no no no. It's not what Warren said, but I think that makes a lot of sense. I mean, why? Right? Because you're already in the state of like of emergency. Right? You've got adrenaline going. You might not think to turn the car off and put it in park, and then thereby possibly uh, create another accident right that, I that makes complete right, sense I'm to me the, so I'm yeah, I, I'm taking yeah, that as a, as a as a as a very valid answer do you are you able to join us for the forum on uh, on next Thursday next Thursday uh, yeah, actually, I can. Yes, I can. It's going to be at noon. So the doors open at 1030 and the event, like we're going to have lunch at 11 and then the event starts at uh, noon. So if you hang on the line, I am uh, I'm officially taking that as, a, as an excellent answer. So if you stand by, <laughs> okay, thanks. I like that. So Lady B will take your information. Stand by. Uh, we've Judy, Judy from Niles. I'll take one more call because I got. I, we've got to get to uh, Senator Laura Murphy. Hey, Judy, what's on your what's uh, what's your answer? Uh, well, I uh, I don't get to vote there, so I don't need to go. However, the answer is you should check out yourself. Yes. To make sure that you are fine. Yes, make sure you're okay. Don't try to get out of the car. Make sure that you are safe. Make sure that you don't yeah, have any severe I, injuries. Yeah. When you hurt yourself in the first place, sometimes you, for a minute there, it hasn't reached your brain. Yes, yes. Take a breath. Yeah. Take a breath. Make sure that you're okay. And and then proceed to do all the things that everyone's called about, including, yeah. yeah, I mean, I think, I think I feel like putting the car in park and turn it off is a really good answer, too. That's a very good thing. Yeah. 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 I like that one, too. Well, you know, I think by that time, you're probably stopped, but you do have to put it in park. Otherwise... You'll, you'll be like that guy that got run over by his own... Oh, that's so tragic. Yeah, or yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, Judy, I mean, if you want to come and see the forum, I think that, you know, it, what happens in Chicago... I, well, I do believe that. All right, you well, know, whoever's well, running Chicago is certainly going to affect every suburb. All right, well, stand by. I, I know that I, I have I, I know I have a stash of tickets because uh, I'm going to put you down. Stand by. Lady B will take your information, okay? Okay, I don't think I can make it because oh, yeah. I'm going to be. Okay. No, I'm I'm I, scheduled for of all things a colonoscopy. Oh, <laughs> I'm glad you're having that checked out. Okay, well, I wish you the best on that. We'll talk to you soon, Judy. Okay, bye. Take care. Bye-bye. Let's take a break here. Uh, that was correct. It's uh, You should make sure that you are okay. Let's take a break here. We'll come back and check in with Senator Laura Murphy in just a moment. In 2023, WCPT 820 is where facts matter. Information is power. In-depth analysis. Thought-provoking conversation. Stay informed to know what's going on. People are demanding that their voices be heard. Chicago's progressive talk is WCPT 820, where facts matter. You're listening to WCPT 820, because facts matter. I was 
was just looking at our guest website, and I realized she probably is extremely busy. You've got a, an event coming up in just 20 minutes. Senator Laura Murphy joins us from the 28th District. How are you doing, Senator? I'm great, Patty. Thank you so much for having me on tonight. Yeah, but we all have busy lives, right? I, Lots I, of stuff going on. Absolutely. And for folks who uh, live in the area uh, that might want to come to this event tonight, there is a tax appeal event. You still, if you live right there, go run on over. It's going to be at the Schaumburg, right? Is this a this is the Schaumburg uh, event, yeah. right? Where is the event being held? It's at the Schaumburg Township Hall, which is on one Illinois drive, and it's actually Hoffman Estates, the border of um, Schaumburg and Hoffman Estates, but it's at the Schaumburg Township Hall. So for folks who want to learn how to appeal your property tax assessment, this event starts at 6. If you're running late, get get on over there. I know that folks will be there to talk to you. Maybe you can get a chance to to talk to somebody individually if you didn't get to see the entire event. So thank you for taking time, uh, because I really wanted to talk to you about this letter that you've signed on to. Uh, with other legislators who uh, have parts of uh, DuPage County. Uh, tell us a little bit about this letter, and, uh, and it really kind of reflects what's going on around the state with sheriffs who say they want to opt out of enforcing legislation that's been passed. What's going on? Well, it was pretty surprising to us, and I believe there's 14 other legislators, um, both from the House and the Senate, that also signed on to the letter, that um, the sheriff in DuPage County has decided he's not going to enforce the assault weapons ban that the legislature just recently passed. And, and that came as quite a surprise because law enforcement has no authority to pick and choose what laws they're going to enforce. And, and, I mean, just imagine a world where we have people that pick and choose what laws they should or should not follow or should or should not enforce. So um, that, it was really concerning to us. And I'm really happy to report today, you may have seen, that our congressional delegation has also sent a similar letter uh, to the sheriff. Um, um, showing their dismay at his um, response to the legislation as well. So um, it, it, it's just it's just mind-boggling that we would have law enforcement that would choose not to enforce the laws. I've been trying to understand this since the legislation passed. One, weren't there law enforcement agencies across the state that were also uh, consulting with you, uh, giving insight as far as, because we want to keep law enforcement safe as well. Having high-capacity magazines and these Armalite weapons uh, put them in danger every day, right? It absolutely does. And there were definitely police presence, the chief of police associations, who my police chiefs, when I spoke to them, said they were in support of this legislation. You know, not everybody likes everything, but my God, how many more people have to die with military-style weaponry on the street where everybody could be potentially in danger? Everybody. Exactly. I mean, if, if anything, the, one of the, the just the shocking moments uh, of, the, of the tragic and catastrophic slaughter of children in Uvalde, Texas, were how many weaponized law enforcement agents were outside the door with because they were afraid that some that what was behind that door, which shouldn't have been in that kid's hands. I don't know any other. It's it's astounding to me that there. OK, let me just I, I have to take my temperature down a minute. Let me ask you this. So, so sheriffs are elected positions, right? So it, it is a politicized office in the in in general anyway so is that where they're coming from like they're not they're not employees they're elected is that why they think they have a, a, a higher stance than the legislature 
The sheriff is definitely elected by the people. But and I can share with you the amount of, you know, we get all kinds of correspondence from people prior to any bill being signed, and particularly one of the statute that had this type of publicity and, um, you know, significant consequences. And 10 to 1, the people in my district said, we have to do something. There is no place for military-style weaponry on the streets. And so, I mean, I know that my portion of DuPage that I represent, and I'm assuming my colleagues as well, their portion, too, said people saying we have to do something. While, you know, nothing can stop all killings, but anything you can do to put something in place to an obstacle that's going to make it more difficult helps save lives. So why the police, why the sheriff decided, who is duly elected by the people, um, that he would choose another option is interesting. Um, some of our downstate police, uh, sheriffs have also, um, you know, engaged in this type of rhetoric. Maybe he just got caught up in, in that. And, um, but certainly I, the sheriff's association did not come out uniformly. And we have sheriffs throughout the state that support the legislation that too were involved in the discussion. So I, I, you know, he has not responded. So we don't know what his rationale was in um, making these public announcements. And so part of the ban requires residents who do, because a lot of folks are, are still, you know, obviously have a lot of questions and we'll continue as we have this back and forth, whether it's a legal battle or sheriffs, uh, you know, basically dereliction of duty. I don't know if that's what they, but it sounds like they're, they're absurping the powers of the state and the constitution because they're saying is one of the, the, the arguments being made from these sheriffs around the state is that they, the way they read it, it violates constitutional rights. So somehow they're constitutional officers now. Is that right? What their position is? Um, I, I think so. But I can tell you that I was at an event with the attorney general the other day, and the attorney general clearly stated that it is their responsibility to enforce the law. And if they chose not to, there were other mechanisms that could be used to enforce the law. Okay. So um, it, it doesn't have the support, certainly from our highest legal authority in the state. And, of course, people are going to file lawsuits, and we're seeing that. But the attorney general has, and the um, governor and the legislature obviously think that we have covered um, the constitutionality issues in this bill. Right. And, again, we're not removing anyone's weapons. We're not coming into anyone's homes. We're saying we have a, a process that you would have to register them. And it's called an endorsement. You would still be able to keep your weapons, but you have a time frame in order to register them. If you refuse to register, then it could be considered an illegal weapon. And that's what people are asking about. I remember I had a text uh, before this this passed and saying, well, they're basically going to make me a criminal as soon as just for owning a weapon. And that's not the case. Now, do owners of guns since they they if they're not registered, they weren't previously registered. uh, How do we track down making sure that they register them? Well, you know, interestingly, every time a gun purchase is made and it's registered with uh, the feds require the serial number to be produced. And so it's nothing different than what is already required at the federal level. So if someone has made a legal gun purchase, this process will already be done. And then they just have to register it now with the state of Illinois. Okay. It, it is not infringing or impinging on anyone's rights. 
Yeah, I, I've, I have such a hard time when, when folks, you know, say that they, they cite the Second Amendment and just, you know, will, shall not be infringed. And somehow, I mean, I, I, I'll ask some other lawyers about this, but they completely ignore a well-regulated militia, don't they, Senator? And, you know, with every liberty comes some responsibility. We, you know, you can't yell fire in a crowded theater, even though we all enjoy freedom of speech. Freedom of speech. But there are just some things that are, their responsibility goes along with that um, approval. With that, with that right. Yeah, that was the thing. I've, I've, I have heard the uh, Illinois NRA uh, leader saying that it's a civil right, that the, the gun ownership is, uh, is enshrined in the, uh, in the Constitution. And to your point, it, 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 yes, but that doesn't mean it's without limits and without repercussions for what we're doing. And the other thing, I'm so tired of having to, and again, this is a conversation not necessarily for our, our moment, but uh, I'm so tired of having to, to argue over an amendment that was written when muskets were the form of weaponry, right? It's just so hard. Right, right. It's just so hard. Well, what, what is next when it comes to gun legislation? I know that this was a big victory, uh, and it was a lot of work and a lot of back and forth between the chambers. Uh, and I also, I think, do you think that people will ever know, uh, because I know that the governor uh, was very loud about what was happening in the House and what was happening in the Senate, but what the Senate was actually pushing for was to be more aggressive, and I, I don't want to go into the details, but is there more work to be done that you guys are, are uh, enthusiastic and confident about? You, you can get done in regards to gun violence? Well, I I really appreciate that question, Patty, because there was an awful lot of dialogue that went into this bill, and and we knew that um, certain provisions in the Senate bill would withhold court scrutiny and, um, you know, other other really more restrictive requirements. And so that's why we, you know, took a long time to negotiate with all of the stakeholders and then come up with what we consider to be a really, um, a really strong product to protect citizens. But, you know, we're going to work on, I think we're putting forth a lot of, um, resources as well into prevention because we we do want people to not even be in the position where they're um, having to um, utilize illegal guns. So we're we're going to continue to work on um, job training. We're going to work on programming in those high crime areas uh, because that's just as important when we see uh, a mass shooting as it is the everyday gun violence that we're seeing in our more urban areas like the city of Chicago. It, it, that sounds, and that's exactly what I we you know we need to put our energy into so much of that, and, and I appreciate your time. I know that you are probably either in the parking lot or just trying to get to the event, so I don't want to <laughs> I don't want to run you right up against the clock there. So, Senator, I know I've, I've invited you before, and I and I we need to carve out some time, uh, and I still want to talk to you about this thing. Uh, and I'll just tell you now uh, my experience with Declan at uh, at a hospital recently. They told me that I was lucky that I had the insurance that I had because if I didn't, we wouldn't probably be able to get uh, equipment for him that would help him reach his potential. And that's kind of one of the, the things I wanted to sit down and talk to you about, because I know how devoted you are to making sure that people who need health care, in particular when kids need to reach their potential. So those are some of the topics I want to talk to you about, uh, whether it's on the air or off the air. And I'd love to have you in studio sometime. And I promise you uh, dinner at the Gale Street. So we'll have to get that done soon. Yeah, I'd love to. And listen, Patty, I, I'd love to talk to you about that further. But I also want... Um, 
to thank you for the stance that you're taking about um, not doing any shows at the Displains Theater that is hosting um, an event with a, a really egregiously conservative and um, destructive group, um, Awake Illinois. And so I, I, I've heard through the grapevine that you will are, have canceled or refused to um, have any shows held there. And I, and I really want to commend you for taking that stance because um, we're working on what we can do to prevent that continuation of hate speech um, that's not helpful to anyone. Senator, it was it was uh, a long day yesterday, and I made a lot of phone calls. My instinct was uh, to pull the plug immediately, and I just needed to talk to people because it, it's it, you know taking work away from comedians is very hard to do. Um, and it was so funny because I should have just called the headliner first, and I, all I said was anti-trans, and he goes hell no, nah! and, uh, and that was all I needed to hear from somebody. I, sometimes you have to have those conversations outside of your head. Um, I, I had yeah. I had I had made it clear that I would I would kind of silently just withdraw. Um, I ju- I'm, I was really disappointed, uh, and I, that's something else I would love to talk to you about because the Desplaines Theater is uh, was renovated by the City of Desplaines, uh, and it is it's from my understanding it's still owned by the City of Desplaines. And the argument that uh, that the groups that are going to be there that it's their opinion. I'm of uh, my belief is that hate is not an opinion. Hate is simply hate. And that's the bottom line. Right, right. Yep. And it's, and there is a lot of outcry in the community because it's taxpayer-funded, yep. owned building and renovated building. And there's a responsibility back to the taxpayers. And that's not what the community of Displaying stands for. Yep, I agree. Uh, thank you so much, Senator. Uh, again, I owe you, I owe you dinner. And uh, I know that you've got to get in there. And, and I, I don't know how crowded it'll be, but I know people are passionate about their, their property taxes. So uh, take a deep breath and uh, and have a wonderful evening. We'll see you soon. Thanks so much, Patty. Take care. Thank you. It's you a pleasure. Thank you. You as well. Always. I miss, I miss seeing her face, though. i got to see her soon. Let's take a quick break here, and we'll continue our conversation. WCPT 820 Heartland Signal. Look at the phone number is 773-763-9278. Chicago's Progressive Talk. WCPT 820, where facts matter. You're listening to Driving It Home with Patty Vasquez on WCPT 820. Uh, I was kind of caught off guard there. Um, I, I really enjoy working with Senator Laura Murphy. Uh, for those of you who uh, maybe don't know, Senator Dan Katowski uh, was the senator for the 28th District. Uh, and when he stepped down, uh, Laura Murphy became the senator for that area. So uh, continued uh, good leadership in uh, those communities uh, like Desplaines, Park Ridge, Schaumburg, uh, those areas. And, uh, and I'm trying to get a hold of the senator. It's so funny when people call me during the show, especially when they're regular guests. I mean, they call me on my personal phone, especially when they're regular guests or co-hosts or fill-in hosts, and they call during the show. I'm trying to get a hold of him because uh, I'm going to take an evening off uh, from the show to moderate a panel coming up. It's He's calling again right now. Hold on a second. I'm going to do this. Senator, uh, you're on the air, Senator, on my phone. How are you doing, sir? Good. How are you? <laughs> I'm, I, you know, I host this little show on WCPT from 5 to 7 p.m. I'm not sure if you're aware. <laughs> so please watch your language. I don't know if folks can hear you very well, but let me turn this up. Uh, are you available to fill in for me that date that I sent you? On, you have me on live? Yeah, you're, I said you're on the air right now. Watch your language. I'm, I'm on the I, air. <laughs> please, when you summon says, 
watch your language. You're giving people the impression that my language is salty at times. I don't know. You, I, I know you and I are, we're, we are absolutely, we're dainty flowers uh, when we're not. Dainty flowers. Oh, blessed penny. <laughs> so, uh, uh, so, yeah. Yes. The 30th is looking promising. Okay, great. And uh, I just wanted to, I was thinking about you and, and, uh, um, and, uh, and what a wonderful job you do on this show. You know, I just, you know, who I just had on the phone. If you had been listening to the show, you would have heard your predecessor. I mean, not your predecessor. Your, how do you pronounce, how do you say successor? it? Successor. Yeah. Laura, Senator Laura Murphy was just on with us. Oh, wonderful. Yes. Wonderful. She, she's great. great. Yeah. I'm glad you left so we could have her. I'm kidding. <laughs> Significant improvement over the previous. Stop. Stop. Uh, struggles. Too funny. Um, uh, yeah. Well, I uh, here. Why don't you call on the on the line so people can hear you better? Or why don't we call you? <laughs> Uh, no, I'm heading. I'm heading somewhere. I wanted to circle back with you. Yes. Have a great show. Okay. And uh, we'll talk uh, very soon. Okay. So January 30th, you're my fill-in host, and I'll tell folks why. All right. Thank you, sir. Thank you. Be, be well. <laughs> Does he not have a clock? I don't even. Who knows if he'll actually be here on time from five to seven on January thirtieth? I am going to be doing an event for Better Streets Chicago. I'm going to moderate a, a, a town hall at Access Living, and uh, it's going to be in regard to uh, plow the sidewalks. Uh, we're going to have, I believe, the uh, organizers are uh, Better Streets Chicago, and our friend Alderman Gil Viegas will be leading that. Let me make sure I have all the information. But uh, that's going to be on January thirtieth, uh, beginning at five from five to six thirty. We'd love to have you there as well. Uh, you can listen to WCPT and Senator Dan Katowski, who will be filling in for me that night. So a lot coming up. There's so many events coming up. Uh, and yes, my schedule's a little bit lighter because I will not be performing at the Displains Theater or the Arcata in St. Charles uh, going forward. But... Um, so we are going to have our mayoral forum on January 26th. Then on January 30th, I will be at Access Living, uh, which is on, I believe, on Chicago Avenue. Uh, I'll get more information uh, in the next hour. But I'll be moderating that event. And then I will also be broadcasting from the Copernicus Center on February 2nd for the 45th Ward Aldermanic uh, Forum. So I'm really excited about that. that. That one's in my community, so it's easy to get there. I will not, I'm not the moderator. One, I have uh, skin in this game. And uh, we talk talked to Justin Kaufman, who will be the moderator that night, and it should be really fun. So it's a big venue. Uh, you don't have to just be, I don't, it's not like we're checking addresses and stuff. So if you want to come and see a, a, a what, what really might be a very uh, fired up uh, forum, that's on February 2nd. The uh, candidates are uh, Anna Santoya. Uh, we have uh, Mary Tomek. We have Megan Mathias, Susanna Ernst, uh, James Gardner, and James Suh. So we have six candidates running for the aldermanic position in the 45th Ward. Uh, next week, we're going to talk to a couple other candidates from other races. We're going to have Aida Flores will be here, as well as uh, Juan Pablo Prieta will be here on Friday. So those are a couple of... Let me know, folks, what uh, what aldermanic ca- uh, candidates would you, like to meet, would you like me to interview? You can text me, 773-763-9278. Is the number to text and let me know the candidates you might like me to reach out to or reach out to them and say, hey, have you considered going on WCPT to talk about your campaign? So we'd love to talk to them. And uh, just, that's just some of the stuff I'm trying to see who else has been trying to call me during the show. It's mostly just the senator called me like twice. <laughs> uh, we're going to take a break here. When we come back, we are going to talk to a professor. Uh, hold on a second. I'm make sure I have all my information correct. But I'm so excited to talk about the 13th Amendment. This is how much of a dork I am. Lady B, we're going to talk about the 13th Amendment. 
Amendment. It's very exciting. I know you guys have been waiting for a long time for this. We're going to talk to Professor Andrew Kopelman from Northwestern University. He's also the author of Burning Down the House, and he's written a piece about how the 13th Amendment protects uh, abortion rights. And this was an argument I had with some of my lawyer friends a few years ago, and they just basically like, oh, look at, look at little Patty thinking she can talk about the law. But, I mean, it just it, it just made sense to me. Let's take a quick break here and news, and we'll be back uh, after the break. WCPT 820, we're driving it home till 7. Senator Katowski, just so you know, I'm on till 7. The Rick Smith Show, live weeknights from 8 to 10 p.m. Look at what's happening. The Rick Smith Show on WCPT 820. Everyone is talking about it. Chicago's progressive talk. Because facts matter. You're listening to WCPT 820. You're listening to Driving It Home with Patty Vasquez on WCPT 820. You know, there are times when my mother uh, still wishes I would go to law school and uh, and get that degree. And why? When I know people who are lawyers and I can reach out to guests like our next guest, Professor Andrew Koppelman from Northwestern University. He's also the author of several books, including Burning Down the House. How are you doing today, Professor? I'm very happy to be here. I appreciate it. Uh, so, you know, when let me let me preface this first. Had you been looking at Roe v. Wade as being as vulnerable as it was, because it seems like politically Democrats didn't have a sense of urgency in fighting for abortion rights over the last 20, 30, 40 years because of Roe v. Wade. What, what's, what are your thoughts on that? Well, they certainly did not turn out to vote in the same way that opponents of abortion did. Uh, An awful lot of people stayed home, and that explained why Donald Trump won uh, in 2016 against Hillary Clinton. And, uh, you know, Democrats warned that uh, there were a number of Supreme Court seats that might be up for uh, replacement, depending on who won the 2016 election. Trump was unusually lucky, and he got three appointments. But there was certainly go. It was going to happen. Uh, the Republicans were more mobilized about it. There's no question. Yeah, they they are what I've said very good at the long game on a lot of different fronts. Whether it's media, uh, judicial appointments, these aspects of what really kind of do shape uh, you know the landscape of our country. So. When uh, Roe v. Wade, and, and, and I should ask this as well, I know today the Supreme Court came out and said they have not found out who released, who leaked the Roe v. Wade Dobbs case. Do, do you have any thoughts on that? You know, were you not surprised that it led to nowhere so far? Um, well, it has got nothing to do with the substance of the issue. It has to do with, uh, you know, when stuff gets leaked. But uh, yeah. Very hard to trace where something came from or where a reporter got something, particularly when there are multiple copies of it circulating. Gotcha. As always is the case when a draft opinion is circulating. Now, have you, you've been arguing about the 13th Amendment for quite a while in regards to abortion. Tell us a little bit about that, please. Uh, so uh, I... When I was a law student back in the 1980s, uh, Roe versus Wade then was one of the big issues in constitutional law. This has been argued for a long time. And uh, a couple of things became clear to me when I was a law student. First of all, that uh, abortion rights were terribly important to women's autonomy. And second, that Roe versus Wade isn't a very well-reasoned opinion. 
Now, uh, you know, there are lots of judicial decisions that are right but are not very well-reasoned. So the fact that Roe isn't well-reasoned doesn't show that it's wrong. But I thought that there had to be a better basis for it. And I thought uh, that there is a provision of the Constitution that specifically speaks to bodily autonomy, to uh, having people's bodies not be turned into instruments for purposes that are not their purposes. And that's the 13th Amendment. And so uh, way back in 1990, when I was a student, I wrote a piece uh, trying to argue what hadn't really been developed before, that uh, the proper basis for the right to abortion is the 13th Amendment. And I've written a couple of other pieces since then, developing that argument further. Most recently, I've argued that if you're an originalist, you should uh, recognize that Taking away women's reproductive powers, forcing them to bear children, putting their bodies at the command of others, making them into mere instruments and seizing their lives to purposes that aren't their own. That's not analogous to slavery. That's what slavery was for half of the slave population. If the 13th Amendment means anything, it means that the United States is not going to repeat that terrible history. If the United States understands that it has done terrible things in the past, and it is never again going to do them. Well, I mean, there certainly seems to be a movement to not learn about the terrible things that we've done in the past uh, in order to continue to do bad things, is what it seems like. But what was... That's what, another conversation. It is. It is indeed, sir. Uh, what what was in place... I mean, what was the, the justification for slavery prior to the 13th Amendment, 13th and 14th Amendments? Uh, well, there were all kinds of justifications. Uh, you know, it, it started out just being a matter of brute force, you know, that uh, you know, we can force these people to do this, and so uh, we will. Uh, the justifications became more sophisticated in the early 19th century because a uh, growing part of the country thought that slavery was wrong, and so the slaveholders had to come up with justifications for it. But, uh, you know, among those justifications were claims that this is God's will, that God has uh, singled out a certain group of people as appropriately enslaved, that uh, you know, black people were inferior in various ways. Uh, there's a whole series of rationalizations. Uh, but the 13th Amendment prohibits the, uh, the enslavement not so much about the rationalizations. People are always going to rationalize the bad things that they do. Uh, and the 13th Amendment means that you just can't do this to human beings. So if if the argument was from the Supreme Court, from those who uh, overturned Roe v. Wade and in uh, the Dobbs case, why wouldn't they see the 13th Amendment as being analogous to uh, slavery, as uh, robbing an individual of their autonomy if they are forced to follow through on a, on a pregnancy and forced birth? Well, we don't know because the court didn't say anything about it. Uh, I have to say that among constitutional lawyers, I am an outlier. More, most constitutional lawyers don't pay much attention to the 13th Amendment argument, although that is beginning to shift as people are seeing the reality of what a world looks like in which states can prohibit abortions. And just on a commonsensical level, 
you know, there are networks to try to get women out of the states that prohibit abortions and transport them elsewhere or to get abortion pills into the states. And those people, most of whom I'm sure have never heard of my articles, are calling themselves the Underground Railroad. So they see the analogy. They understand that they're doing something that's very much like what was being done before, where uh, there are some states that uh, very badly uh, want to control the lives of the people within their states. They say, we have a right to do this to our residents. Outsiders have no right to interfere. The outsiders who come to our states, we're going to try to punish them because uh, we want to retain control over the bodies of these people in our states. There are similarities. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm really uh, baffled as to why it hasn't, you know, that you were an outlier, that there weren't other people who saw this as, a, as an avenue to make these arguments. So then obviously uh, I would guess that those who were, I mean, because th- those who were arguing Roe v. Wade when it was overturned, I'm assuming did not call this as part of, their def- part of the argument, were they? Uh, it has not been made very much of in the Supreme Court. So what can not we, that it would have made any difference with these judges. That, well, that's so I guess that's another question is that, you know, even if it was to be argued, I mean, it would have to be a pretty tight argument, uh, but they don't see it that way. It's there. It's up to their interpretation. So go ahead. Well, I mean, but uh, but at this point, uh, I mean, and if you want to bring about constitutional change, you have to think a long game. Uh, uh, Big time constitutional change really starts with social movements, and eventually those social movements have an impact on the court. Uh, at the same time that uh, I was arguing that abortion is protected by the 13th Amendment, and so people thought that I was a nut, I also thought the Constitution protected a right to same-sex marriage, and people thought I was a nut. But uh, people, that argument became increasingly popular and it increasingly made its way to the court. Another argument that uh, was an outlier a few decades ago was the idea that the Constitution protects the possession of guns. I mean, 20 years ago, everybody on the court thought that was crazy. And now look. So it is possible for social movements to change what constitutional law is, even if the particular judges you have on the court now are unlikely to be budged. And I have no doubt the judges on this court are not going to change their minds. There is nothing that you can say to them that will change their minds. Well, and and I heard a... They're not going to be on the court forever. Well, right. They're not going to be on the court forever. I mean, although a couple of them are fairly, I mean, the last three appointed, uh, to your point, they were all within the age of 50, weren't they? They were fairly young. So we Uh could be looking at uh, 20 to 30, 40 years. Uh, And and again, a conversation for another day is, uh, you know, the, the idea that should we expand the court, should we pack the court, all those different things. But mm-hmm. but part part of it is, you know, not to be dissuaded by the fact that we may not be able to get something done tomorrow or next week. Uh, how much does, you know, you, one of the things that you bring up in your article is about, you know, the similarities with slavery and uh, and women's abortion rights is the idea of penalizing people in other states if they offer assistance. Right. That, that's very similar to if you help a slave ex- escape. It, 
and it and it it does seem to draw a, a direct line in what we're going through now. Like Illinois has very strong protections for women who seek abortion care, but we might be vulnerable to other states uh, with other kind of legal battles. Is that right? Uh, yeah, uh, it is going to be fought about. There's no question about it. Um, and to, but I think the really important thing is for people to understand what they're entitled to. Before you can bring about any kind of social change, people have to know what they've got a right to. Okay. Right. And so understanding, so is that understanding the, the Constitution is part, a big part of that? Uh, yeah. If they have to understand the laws that uh, they're governed by. It's... Uh, it's not enough to look at what the court is doing and think that it's awful uh, if the court is getting the law wrong. I think people need to understand that. You know, is there any, you know, what are your thoughts, if I may, I know this is what I had asked you to talk about today, but what are your, are your thoughts on the, you know, the sort of the way in which Americans don't necessarily, with the Supreme Court really apparently going by their religious values or political values uh, affecting the the way in which we view the court, that it doesn't seem as though it's it's really an institution that has any validity anymore. It's just based on their, their own whims. Um, well, uh, you know, this goes to the question of whether what the court is doing is legitimate. Uh, I think that it's important to look with a critical eye at anybody who is exercising political power over you. And that includes the court. Uh, so if the court is exercising its power in an arbitrary and indefensible way, it's important for people to know that. We don't blindly follow any ruler at all, and that includes the judges. And, and when you talk about, you know, people need to, you know, the, it's social movements that do this, because the, one of the big reasons that we're here is the federal society, isn't it? Uh, yeah, uh, there has been a movement within the legal profession, and the conservative lawyers have been extremely well organized, and uh, they have created an echo chamber among themselves, and that's made it harder to reach them with arguments that uh, are not the arguments that are accepted within their little world, and that is part of the reason why uh, they've been able to reach crazy results and think that what they're doing is perfectly normal. And, and again, one of the things that came to mind when I when you mentioned just a moment ago that uh, one of the the ways in which uh, those who supported ownership of slaves, one of their arguments was that, uh, you know, it's, it's a religious that, that God has decided. And that's a lot of what goes on here is, as you said, the rationalization of for doing bad things uh, isn't necessarily part of the argument. But internally, it seems like that's what the justices go by, is that when life begins. And that's that seems like it's always been the argument, isn't it? That's where we we get into the weeds of you know saying things like, well, I don't believe that life begins. That's that isn't the argument, is it? Well, in fairness to the judges, they have not expressed an opinion about when life begins. They've just said the states can do what they want. The states can say uh, what they want because the judges think this is an issue that the Constitution says nothing about. That's the importance of the 13th Amendment is that it points to a specific text in the Constitution that is relevant to this question. Uh, you know, if maybe, you know, if you believe that a fetus is a person, a human being just like you and me, uh, then we could have a conversation about whether that justifies this terrible thing that you're doing to women. 
But the 13th Amendment does focus you on the thing that you are doing to women. One of the big problems with an awful lot of defenses of abortion is that they make the women completely invisible. The uh, burden that's being imposed on the women themselves just vanishes from sight. They see the fetus and nothing else. The 13th Amendment, at a minimum, shows that the state has a very heavy burden of justification in order to do what it proposes to do when it outlaws abortion. Yeah, it's uh, it's astounding, and I and I'm grateful that uh, that you have continued to call attention to the, to the 13th Amendment. And you said that there are some people that are starting to pick up on it. What does it take for for us to uh, encourage more people to look at the 13th Amendment as the argument to protect women's autonomy? You're doing it right now by having me on the show. <laughs> <laughs> That's how it happens. Yes. I, I, I do. I think it's so funny because this was really an argument I had almost a decade ago and I had another radio station and people just acted like I was crazy. And is, is it partly because people don't want to they don't want to say, well, come on, slavery is entirely different. Don't you know, you can't compare this to slavery and what people went through. Uh, is that part of what, what has made it difficult? Well, one of the puzzling things about constitutional law is that arguments that deemed crazy at time one uh, are generally accepted at time two. Uh, at the time that the 14th Amendment was ratified, most of the opponents of slavery would have thought that, well, of course, you can't expect black and white children to be in the same classrooms. We wouldn't go that far. There were only a very few radical people who thought that integrated classrooms were appropriate, much less required by the 14th Amendment. And now we all accept that. So uh, the, uh, the background assumptions about what's crazy and what's not shift over time. And uh, it's very hard to figure out what it is that moves the tectonic plates of people's thinking in this way. Uh, All you can do, I think, is say what you think is right and uh, say it again and try to respond to objections and just say what you believe. That's why I've written multiple articles on this. Uh, If uh, people tell you it's crazy, you can say, you know, yeah, well, Cobbleman published an article in the Columbia Law Review. It's not so easy to publish in the Columbia Law Review. So, you know, there are serious people who make this argument. And then we can do what uh, we really need to, which is discuss the merits. Well, and I will say one of the when you say that uh, what can get it done is by my talking about it on the show. I want I don't even know who it was that retweeted uh, this particular article, but that's how I found it. Was you know obviously there's that's a, a platform for discourse. It can often get ugly, mm-hmm. but sometimes you find these elements of brilliance. And I'm going to say that because I'm so excited about uh, having this as an argument because that's what we need. That we need to have we need to be armed with with the truth and with uh, with what can we can use to protect ourselves. And that's in our Constitution, right? Yep. Absolutely. And I, I want to encourage... you got to know their rights. Got to know your rights. And you, I, I think that people would be fascinated by some of the books that you've written. I want to let folks know the most recent book by uh, Professor Andrew, Andrew Koppelman is Burning Down the House, How Libertarian Philosophy Was Corrupted by Delusion and Greed. And it looks like there's a lot of books that you have that I would love to talk to you about. Uh, if you are interested in joining us again, would, would you mind if I reached out and scheduled another interview sometime? I would love to be here again. I appreciate it, sir. I, I'm so grateful for your time. I know that you're very busy, but I look forward to talking to you again very soon. Uh, what's the best place for folks to pick up some of your books? Where do you direct people? 
Uh, Andrew Koppelman, K-O-P-P-E-L-M-A-N. Uh, I have a website, andrewkoppelman.com, and uh, there are links there on the website to all of the books. I want to I want to read so many of this: gay rights versus religious liberty. So many of these things that, that are important to the I know a lot of our listeners. So thank you so much for your work. Uh, thank you so much for uh, having these conversations with us, and we will do it again soon, my friend. I hope I can say that, my friend. Absolutely, my friend. I'm very happy that we're talking. (laughs) Me too. Thank you so much, Professor. Have a great evening. We'll talk to you again. Thank you. Thank you. So long. So long. Let me take a break here. We'll come back and have our conversation with you as well. 773-763-9278, my friends. Uh, I want to tell you about this event that I have coming up on uh, on. We have so many. January 26th is the Mayoral Forum at the Morningstar Auditorium, and then we will be at uh, Access Living on January 30th for the uh, Better Streets Chicago. We're going to talk about our bike grid. We're going to talk about uh, plowing the sidewalks. February 2nd, we'll be at the Copernicus Center for the 45th Ward Aldermanic Forum. And that's just a couple things coming up uh, that I can think of. There's so many things happening. All right. Talk to you in a moment. WCPT 820, Chicago's progressive talk, where facts matter. Patty Vasquez is taking your calls now at 773-763-9278. Driving it home with Patty Vasquez now on WCPT 820. And that really is, uh, to Professor uh, Koppelman's point, it is, you know, Setting the the plans, being dedicated to what it is you want to fight for, and knowing what the what the laws are, knowing what your rights are, are important. And uh, and we will talk to him again. He's got quite a few books uh, out that I want to talk to him about down the road. Again, that's Andrew Koppelman, Professor Andrew Koppelman, K O P P E L M A N, and you can find out about all the books that he's written: uh, The Tough Luck Constitution, Anti Discrimination Law, and Social Equality. Again, a lot of the things that we talk about on this show, uh, same-sex, different states. Uh, it's just a, a lot of really good conversations uh, to be had with a professor right here in our area. Uh, my mom did want me to go to law school. Sorry, Mom. But I, the, the good thing is I can talk to a lot of really smart lawyers. Uh, I'm, uh, I'm just always thrilled to, to make sure that we know uh, what is happening and why is uh, such a big part of this. And uh, I, you know what I might do is I might schedule an interview with uh, Professor Koppelman and Scott Stantis. Maybe I'll have them on together because Scott believes now that he's a libertarian. And uh, again, the uh, burning down the house is uh, burning down the house, how libertarian philosophy was corrupt by delusion and greed and uh, absolutely fascinating. Uh, in 2010, in South Fulton, Tennessee, each household paid the fire department a yearly fee of $75. That year, Gene Cranick's house accidentally caught fire, but the fire department refused to come because he had forgotten to pay his yearly fee, leaving his home in ashes. Observers across the political spectrum agreed, some with horror and some with enthusiasm, that this revealed the true face of libertarianism. But libertarianism, libertarianism did not always require callous indifference to the misfortune of others. Um, so I, I want to talk to him about that because I, I, I really don't like every libertarian I know has like something that is just um, is just there like basically from the the in congregate the conversations I've had it just sounds like they want to burn down the government they don't want to have any government they but then they always seem to be very against Democrats they they seem very they they lean and I know that Republicans want less government unless it is telling you who you can and can't marry or love or what you can do with your own body then they then they definitely want the government involved and it seems like a lot of the libertarians that I know lean that way like they don't support abortion rights they do want everyone to 
to have guns because they think that you should be armed. So I would be fascinated to have that conversation with uh, with Scott and uh, and and um, Professor Koppelman. Let's take a break here. Seven seven three seven six three nine two seven eight. Let's give away another pair of tickets to see uh, to, to join us for the Chicago the WCPT Chicago Mayoral Forum, January twenty sixth. We are going to be at the Morning Star Auditorium. The doors are going to open at ten thirty. Lunch is at eleven. And the forum will begin at 1215-773-763-9278. I'll make it real easy, because if you're listening to the conversation, then you know what amendment were we talking about that Professor Koppelman believes protects women's autonomy. It, it was applied for, for, it was utilized in order to end slavery, the 13th, well, oh. See, I gave it away. <laughs> I was, I know. That's all right. Well, there you go. 773-763-9278, which amendment uh, protects women's autonomy, bodily autonomy, according to Professor Andrew Koppelman and others who are fighting the good fight to protect uh, women and families. We've talked about that with Terry Cosgrove, too. More in a moment on WCPT 820, Heartland Signal. This is WCPT 820, where facts matter. This is Kirk Bankstead from the Minocqua Brewing Company, and I sell progressive beer like AOC IPA and Bernie Brew, a lovingly irascible Democratic Socialist lager. A percentage of the proceeds of every beer I sell goes to helping keep Wisconsin blue and driving the Trump cult out of our state. Enjoy a great craft beer and help your dysfunctional neighbor to the north get its democracy back. Now available at Arminetti Wine and Spirits in Woodstock, Illinois, and Famous Liquors in Lombard, as well as in Chicago at A&S Wine and Spirits, Back of the Yards, and Grand and Western Liquors, Ukrainian Village. Please drink responsibly. You're listening to Driving It Home with Patty Vasquez on WCPT 820. Uh, The event that I have coming up on January 30th, there's going to be a town hall. uh, This is going to be a Plow the Sidewalks campaign, and uh, they're going to be... We're hoping that there will be a, an ordinance uh, introduced to city council. This is one of the reasons we want to have this town hall to discuss what plow the sidewalks entails. Uh, I do think, look, as someone who I, the video that I posted of Declan uh, being able to have some mobility with his walker, believe me, the fact that there has been a minimal amount of ice and snow so far, and I almost hate saying it out loud because I worry about jinxing it, but it has been a lovely, uh, mild winter. Um, so it's been easier for us to, to get out. It's easier for us on the stairs with him, but the sidewalks being clear makes a huge difference. And the plow, the sidewalks, this is just, this is for people who need mobility. We, there's so many times when you see just feet of snow and just dense ice. There was one uh, situation. There's a sidewalk that stretches from, uh, and and look, it's all over the city, but from the Blue Line Terminal, there's a viaduct over by whatever the, over by there, over the Kennedy Expressway, and it was about three to four inches of ice there and snow, and there was no way for people to be able to walk to the train station, and both sides were pretty horrible. If you had, if if somebody if somebody was using a wheelchair to get through there, it was impossible. So a lot of folks from the neighborhood, uh, it was first Cass Hendrickson had messaged uh, people uh, on Facebook and said, this is really bad out here. Anyone Can anyone join me and grab a shovel? And we did. We all went out there. We had about uh, anywhere. The first night, it was me and Griffin and a neighbor named Josh Lythe. Uh, we went out there and we did the, uh, the east side of Milwaukee Avenue for a good stretch from the corner of uh, Carmen and Milwaukee. 
Milwaukee all the way to the viaduct. Josh, I mean, he was a machine out there. And then the next day, we had a lot of people show up for the other side of the street. And uh, and now it's where 5150 uh, Milwaukee Avenue, which is mixed income housing for uh, for veterans, for people with disabilities. I, I mean, we wanted to know that there would be a, a, at least a plan in place or people who were invested in making sure that that path was clear. Um, but there are situations in which, you know, you can't always get a group of people to get out there and shovel and break up the ice. And there are cities uh, outside of Chicago that do make that part of their budget where they keep the, the, the sidewalks plowed. And it's possible. So we are going to be doing a forum, a town hall on January 30th from 5 to 6.30 at Access Living. And uh, we're very excited for that event. We'll, we have uh, Alderman Gilbert Villegas will be uh, organizing this in addition to the folks from Better Streets Chicago. So we'll have them in next next uh, next week to talk about the event. And uh, and if you want to come join us, I'll find out how, that, uh, how they are arranging that. And I know that our friend Kyle will give us more information in regards to that. Uh, we also have, uh, look, the... the Early voting starts very soon for the mayoral race and as well as the aldermanic races. Uh, So find out, uh, you know what I was fascinated by? Willie Wilson is sending out mailers that have attached. I was like, man, why didn't I think of that? He has uh, the application for your get a a vote by mail. Uh, He has. And I I wondered, I mean, I I guess that's because when I was running, I was told that I I think I could give people ballots. I don't know how, how it works, but um, early voting is starting. And if you want to get a, a vote by mail, um, make sure that you get that done so you can uh, send out your ballots. But, I, man, this is happening so fast that uh, it's uh, it's on top of us, folks. And the street sign wars are heavy in my neighborhood. Have you seen how many lawn signs there are for candidates in this? It's it's aggressive. It's a, it's a lot, a lot. Look, I when I was running, I loved seeing my name uh, on lawns. Uh, my first one that I put down was in front of my own house, uh, and it was wonderful to see uh, Patty Vasquez uh, for state rep. Uh, I just it it, uh, it was cool. Look, lawn signs don't vote. It does elevate the uh, the name of the candidate to let people know one that there's an election coming up, and two that there's who the who these folks are. Um, so if you see a lawn sign and you're like, uh, you know, maybe do some research, you know, say, oh, I hadn't seen that name. I didn't know that they were running. Uh, you know, please look into I, I I'm hesitant to, to say this part as well, which is when a candidate is endorsed. Um, I've had conversations with several uh, legislators uh, who endorsed the incumbent that I ran against. And they, uh, so funny because my mom, my mom c- tried confronting uh, Congressman Quigley and he ran away from her. If you see my mom coming and she's got a bone to pick with you, you might want to run. We were at a, a Valentine's Day event for seniors and uh, Congressman Quigley was there and uh, he had endorsed the incumbent without any, like, any insight into the race, didn't talk to any of the other candidates, including me. And, uh, and he was handing out uh, some swag at this event. And my mom, my mom was like, why did you endorse the incumbent? Why did you? Why didn't you talk to my daughter? And like he, you know what he said? He said he endorsed Lindsay Lapointe because she asked. And I was like, 
I can't. That is not a criteria. Since then, uh, Congressman Quigley and I have talked about it, and uh, and it, 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 you know, I think a lot of these legislators. The other one was, oh my God, the other one was uh, Treasurer Frerichs. Uh, we were at an event afterwards. He endorsed her like three days after these horrible mailers came out calling me a disgusting extremist, uh, accusing me of um, not being able to pr- protect women's rights in the case of abortion. I mean, I laugh only because, like, if you guys hear me, like that is one of my biggest issues. Uh, I have been, a, you know, I've been fighting for women who are subject to domestic violence and sexual assault, people who uh, really need, a, you know, need someone to amplify their story. And uh, so it was hard to see these things. And, and the thing that was hardest, I think, on those mailers was they had uh, they had highlighted in big, bold letters and in red, like rape and incest, that I couldn't help protect women in the cases of rape. And as a rape survivor... I was I was absolutely appalled that not only would I be dismissed as somebody who had a voice and had a right to be in this race, who had been fighting for not just my own uh, story, but for so many other people. Uh, that was really, I mean, it was appalling and, and, and traumatizing. I, I'll say it. It was really, really uh, traumatizing. I remember a woman yelled at me in front of a polling place that that I that I was a, a woman hater, that I was a like basically, yeah, that I was I betrayed women based on what she saw on these mailers. Um, so please, uh, and, and what was hard was to see like the national organization of women on that mailer on the other side of it saying, you know, endure, you know, basically saying we support this message. And I remember there were people who said, you know, you should go and, and, uh, demand that the tribune, you know, revoke their endorsement. Like all, and I, I just, because there's a thin line between calling attention to something and saying this is wrong and sounding like you're bitter or petty or whatever, which is what Robert Martwick will, Senator Martwick will say in particular about women. Women who step forward and say this is not okay. He often calls women vindictive and bitter and stuff like that who are in the uh, public space. And uh, uh, that was, and so I, I was really grateful that Congressman Quigley sat down and listened to how it felt to stand on a front porch and see my face sticking out of the mailbox. And what they had done was they they gradually made my face look darker and darker because they had Vasquez on there and they felt that, you know, and highlighting my name Vasquez. And, and they, by the way, really bothered me that they got my name wrong uh, because they made Vasquez last. My name is Patty Vasquez Bonin. Uh, they put Patty Bonin Vasquez so that you would it would be last and for whatever reason. Um, but to see my, my face sticking out of the mailbox and, uh, and you know, attached to the idea that I, I don't have any regard or ability to help women or fight for women and children and people in my community. And, uh, I told the Congressman, I said, I, you know, I, I was, there were, there was the day it came out, like I was on porches crying and, uh, and writing notes to my neighbors saying, uh, you know, cause I could see they were going to get that, uh, that mail and, uh, and they were also going to get a card from me. And if you're looking at these two things, uh, you know, a lot of people do go to the negative mail, especially if it says on the other side, endorsed by Mayor Lightfoot, endorsed by Senator Dick Durbin, endorsed by Congressman Mike Quigley, endorsed by the National Organization of Women. I mean, people have trust in a lot of those organizations and people. So they're saying that this message has been approved by these people. 
And uh, so I would write on my cards that day and, and days going forward. I would say, uh, if you have any questions, uh, please know that I'm a survivor of sexual violence. Um, what these what these flyers say are not true. Uh, here's my number. Please give me a call if you have any questions. And uh, and again, like you know, we had we tried getting the story out there. We we've had uh, Joe Dupleshin, who was also the uh, survivor of domestic violence, who had tried to protect his mother, and his dad threw him through a plate glass window, and they tried tying Joe. To as though he was, they made it look as though he was a domestic violent uh, aggressor, and uh, it's just and again, like to have the names of people that we trust, and so Treasurer Frerichs uh, to have endorsed her after that mail came out. So I confronted him at an event, and I look, I I, I get a little hot under the collar. I don't always, always articulate things, you know, uh, the way I wish I, I could, especially when it comes to this. Um, I had been quiet about surviving rape. I was three years old when I was abducted by a neighbor <laughs> and uh, and sexually assaulted and uh, and tied in a laundry bag and left in a basement. <clears throat> and so I had not talked about it for a long time. And even like, uh, you know, coming to like even knowing about understanding it uh, didn't start until I was about 11. My mom said it was very hard when I was little and it was hard to pursue uh, a legal avenue of uh, pursuing the uh, the attacker uh, because she didn't want me to have to be in court every day or have to talk about it. But three-year-old Patsy, that's, that was my name when I was little, was Patsy, everywhere I would go to the grocery store, when I was on the bus, when I was at church, you want to know what I said to people? I was telling people, uh, a boy touched my potty. <clears throat> and, um, and I knew that it was wrong. And uh, and I wanted people to know that something had happened to me, something that was weird, and I didn't understand it. And, uh, and look, in the 70s, uh, it, it was uh, unbelievable to people. We, we still continue to hear stories of, of family members, whether it's uh, it was abuse in the church or in schools or uh, neighbors or family members. Uh, people didn't know and still often don't know how to deal with it. And so I don't always have the most articulate or calm way of approaching people who contributed to inflicting that pain. And uh, so when I saw Treasurer Frerichs, um, I, I, we had been friendly for years. I'd had him as a regular on my shows uh, at another station. And, uh, and he tried talking to me, and I, was, and I, I don't even remember what I said. I said, uh, I don't, uh, I think it was, I don't, I don't, uh, I don't t- speak with people who weaponize the trauma of rape survivors. I don't have anything to say to you. And when I walked away, he asked somebody else, well, what, what was that about? Do you know what, Lady B? He didn't remember endorsing Lindsay LaPointe. Someone in his office had done it. And here's the problem with that. Then rubber stamping an endorsement is not acceptable. Saying, uh, you know, trying to defend yourself and say, well, you know, I, I, I've done so much for people who have gone through trauma and violence. Then why would you diminish that work by putting your name on lies and, and again, hurting someone who has, has survived trauma? I talked to a, a young woman. I was doing a, a podcast, and, uh, and she said, you know, I saw what happened in your race. And she goes, you know, I always thought about running for office. And uh, I saw those mailers, and I couldn't believe they would do that. She goes, she goes, I didn't even know that you were a survivor. But knowing that my name would be associated with rape and incest, that they would use that to scare people, that you aren't someone who's trustworthy. She said, I was raped. 
when I was 17, she said, and I don't think I'll ever be able to run for office. So by endorsing that, by spreading those lies, by using that imagery, that language, by trying to scare people, you are silencing the very people you say you want to protect. So yeah, no Lindsay LaPointe and Robert Martwick and everybody who I haven't had a chance to speak to. And yeah, I might be in a bar at an event and see someone like Dave Feller who was involved in all of that. Yeah, I'm going to get loud because I am tired of just pretending like being in the same space with you is comfortable because it is not. And you can send your boyfriend, Lindsay, to try to intimidate me at work. That is also not acceptable. Absolutely not. I didn't think I, I didn't see that coming. Whew. But what I'm saying is when you see the mail coming, let me come back to the lawn signs and the mailers. Please do your own research. Um, know that often endorsements are rubber stamped because there's an incumbent or there are special interests. Uh, I, I'm sorry. I mean, I, for those who uh, nobly and justly give out endorsements, uh, I'm sorry that uh, people like Lindsay LaPointe and the people who endorsed her diminished your uh, your ability to be valid. But I, I have to encourage people to go beyond the because I had a lot of people tell me that if they had gotten something from Dick Durbin that said he endorsed them, that that would be what they go by because they don't pay, they don't pay attention to the down ballot races. They don't they don't study. They don't do research on state reps and state senators. And sometimes the aldermanic people, they just see more signs and they've gotten more mail. And uh, and that's what it comes down to. And the incumbents have so much resources. Again, I'm not saying that every incumbent doesn't deserve, you know, what they the, the numbers that they get in the polling and, uh, and votes. But they have the institutional support because people are afraid if they do, if they don't give them money or if they don't support them, then they won't vote the way that they want. So please do your research uh, be in, and, and not just at election time. Know what your incumbents are up to. Know what kind of work they do. Find out how they got there because this appointment process, that too, I'm seeing some ugly things coming out. The the tragedy of Senator Bennett and what's the fallout from that, part of that is because we have an appointment process. If people knew what, how a third of our legislature uh, you know, has been appointed. And so once they become an incumbent, you were for a third of our electeds, you had no say in that because once they're an incumbent, they have the power of the incumbency. They have the money, they have the manpower, they have the, all, all of that is attached to it. And, uh, and then people make phone calls and say, hey, yeah, go ahead and endorse this incumbent. Uh, so please, it requires being engaged and involved. Um, you know, people have asked me like, well, what if they had appointed you? Well, you know what? We'll never know. We will never know. That, that's my answer to that. I, I have no idea. Uh, so th- th- you can make that argument, but we, we, we will never know. Uh, I will tell you this. I would never have lowered myself to the ugliness that Lindsay LaPointe did and that Robert Martwick did. Let's take a break here. More after this on WCPT 820. Around the town, Chicago with Al Besslaw. I want to give away some stuff, and some of these things I'm going to give away, you don't even have to answer a question. So all you have to do is call. For the magic of the Nutcracker, four tickets. All you have to do is say, crack my nuts. Okay. <laughs> Where did you come up with that? I don't know. I just felt like saying something silly. Okay. Sunday afternoons at 2 on WCPT 820. You're listening to WCPT 820. Because facts matter. Gaz is taking your calls now at 773-763-9278. Driving it home with Patty Vasquez now on WCPT 820. So my point was uh, early voting. 
<laughs> Early voting starts uh, next week. Actually, it starts on January 26th. So if you are coming to a mayor- mayoral forum, you might even say like, hey, I got it. Got all my information. I'm going to go to an early voting location. The Chicago Board of Elections will open its super site to voters at one, 191 North Clark um, and the uh, Board of Elections office at 69 West Washington Street on the sixth floor. So starting on January 26th, those are the two super sites where you can go and uh, put in, vote early. Uh, voting will take place at both locations from 9 to 6 p.m., 9 a.m. to 6 p.m. on weekdays, 9 a.m. to 5 p.m. on Saturdays, and on Sundays you can be there from 10 to 4. So uh, starting February 20th, both p- polling places will remain open till 7. So they'll be open on weekdays from 9 a.m. to 7 p.m. Uh, and then on election day, the super sites will be open from 6 a.m. to 7 p.m. So that'll be that's coming up. Uh, let's see. An early voting location will will open in each of Chicago's 50 wards beginning on February 13th, and they will all remain open through election day. Locations are op- those will be open from nine to six on weekdays, nine to five on Saturdays, and ten to four on Sundays. And uh, by the way, just so we're all aware, uh, this is one thing I, 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 I'd like to, I would, I, you know, when you run for office or you have a sort of the data on voters, you have information on uh, how many primaries they voted in, things like that. I would like to reach the people who aren't registered to vote. Uh, if you know someone in your life that isn't registered, maybe they're cynical or apathetic or they think it doesn't make a difference, it matters. There have been races in this city of Chicago that have been decided between just less than a dozen votes, two dozen votes. Every single vote matters. And uh, so you can you can register the day you're voting. So there, please encourage those who are not who have not registered to vote yet, uh, maybe you know a, a high school senior, uh, maybe you know somebody who just, again, just never got around to it. Uh, by the way, for those of you, and this came up when I was running, this this one, they people who don't register to vote because they're worried about being called for jury duty. If you have a driver's license, you are already entered into the database for jury duty. So if you also don't have a driver's license and you don't want to register to vote, does it, I'm just saying, you're already, you're already registered to, you're already in in the database. So um, please uh, don't hesitate to register to vote. If that's what's holding you up, uh, you're already, it's, and, and by the way, it's not that bad. First of all, it's a civic duty. Wouldn't that be great? Or I'm sure you can find a reason to explain why you cannot participate. Uh, I encourage you to do so. But uh, but please, don't let that be something that holds you up from registering to vote. Uh, all Chicago voters can also cast their ballot by mail. Applications are due by February 23rd. Uh, first ballots will be mailed uh, January 19th. Uh, go to chicagoelections.gov for Chicago voters. Again, that's uh, chicagoelections.gov. You can get all the information about uh, how to vote by mail. If you go to uh, slash and vote, well, you can get all the information. But you can apply to vote for mail for the February 28th municipal elections. Again, this is uh, for Chicago. Um, let me, I'll look for some information for folks uh, outside the Chicagoland area because, of course, we have, uh, we have listeners all over the place. Let me take a look at uh, some of the text before we go. 
uh, sometimes it's hard for me to reach uh, all the equipment here. Uh, by the way, uh, to our conversation in the last hour when I was discussing, um, hopefully having a breast reduction surgery, uh, Dense Breasts is a great band. <laughs> Thank you for the laugh. Uh, Mary, I agree. It was sweet that uh, Jim called with a health tip for a back pain. Uh, Mary says uh, to, to Jim, I love when there's a caller, uh, listener, you know, just showing that the love and joy. Uh, he is a fascinating, insightful, and endearing person. Thank you, Mary. I agree. And uh, it's not just because he reminds me a little bit of my dad, the way my dad talked. Overbiter, he's got that Chicago accent. And, uh, and my dad likes like the races and uh, to tip one back every once in a while as well. Um, let's see. We also have... Uh, Oh, do we still have the, uh, do you know how, oh, Patty, do you know how much about that story? I think it was in the Sun-Times where Cook County Treasurer Maria Pappas is refunding tax money to people who may have overpaid. I don't know how much she interacts with your boss. This might be worth talking. I will look into that. Thank you for the question. And uh, I did not know, is our troll still there? Is that, I, I did not, uh, I don't always check in with, uh, and I apologize for our Facebook live stream. Sometimes there's some things going on. I don't get a chance to look at all the comments. But let me take a look. Uh, wait, I didn't want to send that. Let me close this and take a look at our live stream. Uh, so, hi, everybody. Let me see. This, it, by the way, I'm just looking forward to this shirt fitting better. Do you ever have like a, a printed T-shirt and you're like, I just know that the, the graphics shouldn't go this high. <laughs> it should go somewhere somewhere more. Uh, but what's he, what's he trolling us on now? Uh, we shouldn't even acknowledge that he's there. It's just so, yeah. Uh, thank you so much, Christine. I appreciate it. Uh, yeah, there, I, I believe I said there, there was sexual assault in schools. And, and by the way, the Tribune did an amazing article. Uh, they actually not just even an article, but they, they showed it, it was one of the best, uh, uses of graphics and, and journalism and research and investigative reporting. They had this sort of like layer where you could see like what parts of the city where children had been, uh, targeted by, uh, either staff at schools, uh, coaches, teachers. Yeah. I mean, we've talked about that before. Just because you didn't hear it didn't mean we, it didn't happen. But thanks for playing. Uh, and, and I love that, like, this is how bad people are. If I talk about, I know, is, you talk about uh, violence and, and your own survivorship. Yeah, well, what about, I mean, like, are you seriously going to what about a woman who's told you? And, and, and not to, it, it, okay. Oh, my gosh, I have to go. Lady B's like, stop talking. All right, thanks, everybody. Have a great night. Devil's Advocates up next. Thanks, Lady B. Mike Croup, bye.